Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. I wanted to uh, start tonight. We're, we're moving into the uh, resurrection season, and we'll, you'll be hearing a lot about uh, the resurrection, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And so I've, I've been praying and, and just thinking about it, and I think we did this maybe a couple years ago a little bit. But uh, I've just been praying about what to do because I want to focus on on this season. Uh, so anyway, I, I've uh, had this uh, little uh, tabernacle replica that I had gotten several years ago and Autumn put it together and uh, the glue's uh, not holding real good on it so I'm going to have to do some work on it but anyway what I want to do tonight and how many of you are familiar with the Old Testament tabernacle how many of you know that it's a pattern of, of for today it's a pattern of Christ. Everything about this Old Testament tabernacle points toward Jesus Christ. All right. So one of the and and this is something that I've always loved and enjoyed, but one of the things that that to me helps authenticate the word of God is is uh things such as this because uh you can look at this tabernacle this this uh, replica that I've got here, which is the one that that uh, God gave to Moses when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and every aspect of this points toward Christ. It points toward Jesus coming into uh, into the world, and there's there's just volumes and volumes of things that we can talk about. But we're going to start tonight on uh, in this one place right here. All right, this place right here between these two columns is the gate. All right, and are you familiar with the scripture where where the psalmist said, "I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise." All right, that's what he was talking about when he said that uh, and that's the gate that comes in to uh, the courtyard of the tabernacle uh, and Exodus chapter 24 and we're gonna we're gonna we got a good many scriptures so uh, but before we before you go there let's go to Hebrews chapter 8 Hebrews chapter 8 and uh, I want to look at starting with verse 1, Hebrews chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Hebrews chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Notice what he's, uh, Paul said there. 
uh, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should, be a, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. Notice, notice that scripture there, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, which is this, the rep, this is the replica of what Moses was, was about to make. For see, saith he, that you make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount all right so and then he said but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises so the reason I wanted to read that is this passage of scripture talks about our high priest which is Jesus Christ and he talks about uh, that he was a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. And that's talking about Jesus is our high priest, and he was the minister of the sanctuary or the true tabernacle of heaven. So when God spoke to Moses in uh, Exodus chapter uh, 24 and 25, you can go ahead and go over there. When God spoke to Moses about building the tabernacle, the reason that God admonished Moses to build it exactly according to the pattern that he had shown him in the mountain was because it represented, it was a pattern of the heavenly tabernacle. It was a pattern. Uh, it, it had to be right because it was an example of Jesus Christ. All right? And in Exodus 24, Moses had been on the mount on Mount Sinai for uh, 40 days uh, in the presence of God. And uh, after that, he had been on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. In Exodus chapter 25, we see where God uh, began to give Moses the plans for the tabernacle. All right, uh, and he said he said this and let First of all, he said, let the people bring certain things. The, uh, the, and he talked about uh, different kinds of animal skins, which is this right here. He talked about different kinds of, of materials for them to bring and uh, to get ready to build the tabernacle, all right? And this is in Exodus chapter 25. <clears throat> and so... God said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now that's, that's awesome right there to me. God said, said, look, Moses, I want you to get the people to start bringing stuff. You remember how they plundered Egypt and how the, the Egyptians brought them gold and, 
and they borrowed from their neighbors and, and basically they plundered Egypt. This is one reason that they plundered Egypt so that they would have everything that was needed to build this tabernacle in the wilderness. All right? And, and so that lets us know that God blesses us. He might bless you down yonder, but there's something that he wants you to do with that blessing over here. All right? He don't bless us to put it in, in a CD in the bank necessarily. Nothing wrong with saving. But he blesses us so that we can be a blessing. So anyway, God said, build me a tabernacle, so that a sanctuary, so that I can dwell among my people. And that's God's plan. That's God's desire. God doesn't want to be a God up here. God doesn't want to be a God way over yonder somewhere. He's not a God on a mountain in the Middle East. But God wants to be a God that dwells with us. All right? And, and so, now remember, this is a picture of Jesus coming. And what God is doing is he is setting up and giving people an idea of something in the future. All right? And so, Moses and them set out. Moses begins to get things together to build this tabernacle in the wilderness. And this was a portable building so that when they uh, set up camp, they set this tabernacle up. And the tabernacle sat right in the middle of the camp. And if you really want to look, uh, you can go into uh, Numbers, I think it is, or it might be Exodus that you can look, and how God told them to, to set camp up was set up with this tabernacle in the middle, and it was set up in, in the shape of a cross. How, how each tribe of Israel had a certain place that they were to camp. And when it was all said and done, it was in the shape of a cross. Listen, everything that God does, God didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, I think we need to do this. God's got a plan. And, and if you read the Word of God, you can see the plan of God as it's been fulfilled over the thousands of years that God's been working and moving. And so... Here they are, uh, ready to build this, saint, this, uh, this tabernacle. Now, if you notice around this, this white fence, white uh, cloth fence goes all the way around it. That is a picture. White symbolizes holiness, purity, purity of thought, purity of heart. All right? Remember, we've been talking about worship, and worship is simply the, uh, a pure heart seeking after God, not because of what he can give us, but because of who he is. So when you see this white fence around the tabernacle, that is the, that is the fence that separates the courtyard from the, from the outside, all right? So it lets us know that the, the tabernacle is a place that is separated from the outside. That that's on the outside cannot get in unless it comes through the gate, all right? And so the gate that I just pointed out just a few minutes ago was the entrance to uh, the tabernacle uh, in the wilderness and, and the holy place that God uh, said, I want you to fix so I can dwell among my people. In uh, Exodus chapter 27 and verse 16, God gave Moses the plan uh, for the gate. And he said, and for the gate of the court, shall be a hanging of 20 cubits of blue and purple 
and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework, and their pillars shall be four and their sockets four. Now, this, <clears throat> this gate was, was beautiful. I mean, it had, it had bright, vibrant colors. And according to Scripture, the gate was about 30 feet uh, in width. And, uh, and when, when we uh, see that the gate was connected to uh, the white uh, linen that, that uh, circled the, the tabernacle, and we talked about how that it was uh, a symbol or a picture of holiness. And uh, nobody... Nobody could enter the court except through the gate. You came in through the gate, and you went out through the gate. That's extremely important to remember. Uh, and here's another thing. The gate, uh, if, if I was standing inside the court of the tabernacle and looking out, the gate would face toward the east. If I was coming into the court of the tabernacle, I would be facing west, all right? The, <clears throat> the tabernacle always faced east, which was uh, the place uh, symbolizing the, the rising of, uh, which was a picture of the rising of the sun. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get. When, when a worshiper came into the gate, coming into the tabernacle, that was, that was a picture that he was going toward God, all right? So when you came in, you were headed west. You were going toward God. You were moving toward the tabernacle or the holy place of God. When you were going out, you were going away from God, all right? Now, in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 3, so remember... If you were going east, you were headed away from God. If you were going west, you were coming into the tabernacle, into the presence of God. And then uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24, you remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God drove them out? Verse 24, he said that he drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Notice that. Sin came into the world. Man sinned. When man sinned, God had to kick them out of the garden. He had to move them out of the garden. When he moved them out of the garden, on the east end of the garden... It's where he placed the, <clears throat> the cherubims that would, that would guard the way to the tree of life. All right? See, God does things in patterns. He does things in patterns. So in the Garden of Eden, on the east end, there was an angel there that, that guarded the way of coming into the tree of life. All right? What God did with the tabernacle is he opened up a way to get back to the tree of life. 
but you had to enter in on the east side. All right? You see, are you see, am I explaining that right? So you see it? Now, if this is a picture or a pattern of Christ, Jesus is our tree of life. He is our life. And so it's through him that we enter in and find life. Also in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 16, uh, the Bible talks about when Cain uh, slew his brother Abel. Uh, and, and God uh, placed a curse on him. In verse 16, it says that then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So Cain went east, which is away from God. When, when he, Cain, Cain was unrepentant, he was unrepentant of his sin. And, and nowhere in, in that uh, passage of Scripture can we find where Cain ever repented of the murder of his brother, which I believe is one reason that God put a mark on him and sent him away. And, but Cain went away from the presence of God. He went toward the east, all right? He went away from the presence of God. One more I'll give you in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 11. How many of you remember the story of Lot? And how Lot and Abraham had to separate. And Abraham looked at Lot and said, look, look around. You, you choose which way you go and, 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 and you go that way and, and I'll, I'll go the other way. <clears throat> the Bible says in uh, chapter 13 of verse 11, that Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. So there again, Lot journeyed east. He went away from the presence of God. Where did he wind up? He wound up camping in Sodom and Gomorrah away from the presence of God. So, Understanding that the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of God, was on the west end of the courtyard. In other words, this would be the west end of the courtyard. And that's how this tabernacle was set up. Every time it was moved, it was set up exactly according to the plan of God. Why? Because God was painting a picture. God was, was giving us an idea of what was coming. That's the amazing thing about God. And going back to the gate, the colors in the gate. Remember God told them to, to have blue. Blue is a symbol of deity. It's a picture of deity, <clears throat> meaning the place, uh, the court, uh, the gate was an entrance into a place where God would dwell so it's a place of deity and purple uh, and and in that time purple was a difficult color to come about it was a it was it was a difficult color to find dyes uh, to create the color purple but the co color purple 
uh, was used to symbolize royalty. All right? Remember where you're coming into. Coming in through, you're coming into deity. You're coming into uh, royalty. And uh, red in the gate symbolized blood. Not only the blood of the, the offerings that were going to be, the sacrifices that were going to be slain on the altar, but also the futuristic blood that Jesus would shed. And, uh, and then the white in the courtyard fence that we just talked about is a, is a picture of uh, holiness. And uh, it enclosed holy ground. And also the priest that ministered in the courtyard and in the tabernacle, they wore white, which was a symbol of holiness. We don't wear white to, to demonstrate or illustrate our holiness, do we? But our holiness is supposed to be inside. See, I don't have anything wrong with people that want to dress and say, I'm holiness and this is how I dress. Nothing wrong with that if you want to do that, if you feel convicted of doing that. But holiness is a matter of the heart. All right? You can, you can have, I've always said, you can wear skirts down to your ankles and, and sleeves to cover your hands and uh, white shirts with nice ties and, and black pants and all that and look real good. But if you're not holy in your heart, it doesn't amount to anything, all right? So every part of the tabernacle pointed toward Jesus Christ. The gate was the only way in, just as Christ is our only way to heaven. <clears throat> John chapter 14 and verse 6. <clears throat> Jesus said this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me you see this picture you see this gate only one way in and only one way out isn't it amazing that thousands of years later Jesus would say I am the way I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, speaking of himself, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So there's that, there's that, that door or that gate again. So the tabernacle gate faced east toward the sunrise, the coming, which was a picture of the coming of light, all right? And Jesus, in John chapter 8, in verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. The amazing thing is that we said a while ago that when you, when you left out of the, the gate and out of the courtyard of the tabernacle headed east that you were going away from God but then God turned that around and Jesus said I am the light of the world and the sun rises in the east alright and so if you were standing in, in front of the gate facing away from the tabernacle you would see the sun rise 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So for those of those that were headed away from God, that were running away from God, Jesus said, I am the light that's going to rise out of the east. All right? So uh, <clears throat> so all the everything about this and everything about the colors of the gate was a foreshadowing of Christ and uh, and the colors and, and if you want to do an interesting study look at the colors in the Bible because every one of the colors have a rep, have a symbol or a picture, especially in the Old Testament, and so in in the as we have looked at that, and we know white is holy and spotless, and purple is uh, royalty and kingly. Purple is a kingly color. Red was the blood of the sacrifice for our sins. You remember when before Jesus' crucifixion. The Bible says that the Roman soldiers mocked him and they, they draped over him a purple robe uh, and uh, they didn't know that, that what they were doing by placing that purple robe over him was prophetic and uh, that he really was the king of the Jews. They placed that purple robe on him and, and mocked him as a king. But what they didn't know is that he really was a king. What they didn't know is that thousands of years earlier, God had told Moses to build a gate for the tabernacle. And he said, Moses, I want you to put in that gate these colors that are going to declare and they're going to cry out that if you want to get into my presence, you've got to come through this gate. And there's some purple in there that's going to represent a king and a royalty. And there's going to be some red in there that's going to represent the blood that's going to be shed as the sacrifice for our sins. And so, uh, and then we, we look at the white and we understand that Jesus, Jesus was a perfect, unblemished sacrifice for our sins. So the white that goes around the courtyard, the white that's in the gate, was a picture of holiness. And true holiness could never be obtained. It could never be obtained until Jesus came. And Jesus was the spotless Lamb of God. And this tabernacle speaks <clears throat> of his holiness. He was the only sacrifice that could be found worthy to atone for our sin. And his blood, uh, when, when uh, Jesus' blood flowed, when the soldier pierced his side with a spear, uh, it was all uh, the fulfillment of prophecy. And after Jesus had died, uh, you remember that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came and they wrapped his body in a white linen shroud. Go back to the gate. There's that white linen shroud again. And so here's the thing. I've said all that, and I, I know I've given you a lot of information. I probably lost you about 20 minutes ago. <clears throat> but understand this. 
that the gate is the way. In our culture today, in, in church culture today, you're hearing more and more and more. Well, you know, I don't have to do it like that. Uh, if, if, if I think it in my mind and I feel good about it, then it's right. All right? If I, if I have homosexual tendencies, then it must be right. If I, if, I, uh, if I have feelings for another woman, then it must be right. And, or if I have feelings for another man, then it must be right. Whatever how I feel, then that's all right. And, and, and if somebody says, well, no, you're wrong, then, then we look back and say, well, you know, you work out yours, I'm doing mine. So we, we're in a culture today where nobody can look at anybody else and say you're not right because everybody's right in their own eyes. The Bible says that there would be a time when it would be like that, when, when everybody, they can sin, they can do what they want to, but everybody's right in their own eyes. <clears throat> and we hear of more and more uh, churches, organizations that are opening up to things that are, are blatantly against the Word of God. How do they do that? How do they justify that? Because man has come in and tweaked the Word of God to fit their agenda. Man has come in and changed the Word of God to meet their own needs. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm going to bring God down, and I'm going to shape God in the manner of which will fit my life and and I've, I've watched people even come through this church and leave this church and go to other churches and the reason that they came through and left and went to other churches is because this church didn't fit didn't fit the God shape that they wanted in their lives I'm not saying that we've got the patent on God but I am saying this that if you, come, if you go to a church <clears throat> and because that church comes out of the word of God and, and kind of infringes on some of the things that you like to do and you say, well, I'm going to go to this church because they don't preach against it over there. It doesn't matter. It's still wrong, all right? But we're living in a culture today where, where people look at God and they look at church and they say, well, I'm going to find me a church where I can be comfortable. I did that, guys. I did that years ago. I was raised in, in uh, Pentecost. I was raised in holiness. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of Sandy's kinfolks, out at uh, Brother uh, Mace McGee and out at Friendly Holiness Church, <clears throat> I was raised, uh, I, we were talking the other night, and uh, I slept under benches out there at Friendly Holiness Church. I took a minion out uh, under those benches, and I'd wake up, and them old saints of God would be shouting by, and I'd be watching their feet uh, moving up and down and all that, and Sandy's mom, Miss Ruth, and all of them. And, uh, but when I, when I got up and got old enough, I said I don't want I don't want any part of this. I don't want because I'd seen a lot of negative and I'd seen a lot of abuse 
by by people that we were around, not by my parents and but people that we had been around and and I had I had been a preacher's kid and the preacher's kid was always the target. All right? And and I I deserved a lot of it uh because I was mean and I learned all my bad habits in church. But <clears throat> but when I grew up I said, you know, I'm going to find me a church that's going to be more conducive to what I want. And I found McCullough Baptist Church because it was more in line with what I wanted. I could sit there on the seat, didn't have to be involved. I didn't have to dress a certain way. I didn't have to get up and do nothing. I could go to church on Sunday morning, go home Sunday evening, hook to the boat, go to the river, fish. If I didn't want to go back to church the next Sunday, I could hook to the boat and go fishing because after all, I was working six days a week and Sunday was my day off. And I could do that at McCullough Baptist Church and feel good about it, Andre. So you see, I chose a church that was conducive to the to the way to my lifestyle. But it wasn't long that 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 I was running away from caught me. All right, and I realized that I ran right into something that I was trying desperately to get away from. All right. Yeah, y'all y'all know that, don't you? Y'all were instigators of it. Yeah. <laughs> but so many people do that. That's the reason I can talk about it because I've done it and I know that people do that. But I want you to understand it still doesn't change the fact that God wants to do a work in your life and uh Listen, the, the gate coming into the courtyard of the tabernacle was not hard to find. It was very obvious. It was very plain and open to any repentant Israelite that wanted to come in, uh, that wanted to seek forgiveness of their sin. That gate was there. And it was, listen, a gate is made to walk through. All right? And so anybody that wanted forgiveness of sin could come through that gate. And, and today, Christ being that gate to eternal life uh, is welcome. He welcomes all who are seeking forgiveness and all who are seeking uh, to be restored. Christ welcomes us. And he says, come to me. Come in and, and I'll give you rest. And Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 is one of the most uh, uh, pointed scriptures that speaks of this gate. And Jesus said in, in uh, verse 13, he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. He said, For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way 
which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So Jesus talked about two gates. So one is a straight, narrow gate, and that it would lead to life. And then he talked about another gate that was broad. And he said, but it's a gate that leads to destruction. But Jesus said about this, this straight gate and this narrow way that leads to life. He said, few there be that find it. There's going to be crowds and crowds and multitudes of people that are going to go through that broad gate because it's easy and it doesn't require anything. But here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus has got a certain way. He's got certain standards, certain methods of how he deals with people. The first thing that we've got to do is realize, I can't do this on my own. And we repent of our sins and we enter into that gate. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 28, he said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <coughs> so here's the thing. As we, as we come into this season of celebrating uh, the sacrifice and, and the resurrection of Christ, Understand this, guys, that it's becoming harder and harder. If, if, I were, if I were to take this replica tonight and fashion it according to the standards of the world today, you know what it would look like? There would not be a fence around it, and there would not be a gate there it would be totally exposed to everything around it. Here's the thing. This little place right here represented the dwelling place of Almighty God. It represented the presence, the glory of Almighty God. Why would God put his glory in that place and then put a fence around it? Because God said, Sin cannot enter into my presence. But in our society today, if that was it, the fence would be down and there would be no gate. <clears throat> but I want to challenge you tonight because it's becoming harder and harder to preach the gospel to this generation. It's becoming more and more difficult to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You say that now, and you'll get some opposition in a lot of circles. But friend, the truth is that he is the way. He is the only way. He is the only life, and he is the only hope that we have. And just because people don't agree with that, 
just because they don't believe that anymore, that doesn't negate the fact that he is still the way, the truth, and the life. You see, if we take this tonight and we, we remove the gate and we remove the fence, if we remove that barrier of holiness that separates the presence of God from the world, then what's going to happen is that the world is going to come in. Everybody around can come in. And what you have is that the, the presence of God moves off of the tabernacle. And we're going to talk about that later on, that the presence of God moved off of the tabernacle. One of the saddest scriptures in the Bible is found in the book of Ezekiel when it talks about the glory of God, the presence of God that moved from the holy place and moved forward in the, in the tabernacle and then eventually moved out of the tabernacle. And it was a picture of what, what God said the nation of Israel had backslidden and because they had backslidden, God said my glory moved out of the tabernacle and moved away. That's one of the saddest places in Scripture to me. It's when God's presence moves out of the tabernacle. So to bring it down to where you and I are tonight, if Jesus was the gate, if Jesus was the door, and I entered in through him, and I, I came in to him, and I said, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I want you to be my king I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Redeemer. I believe that you are Lord. I believe by the blood uh, that the curse is broken from over my life. I believe that through the resurrection that I can enter in to life, uh, all the life that you've given me. I believe that. So if, if that's the case, then I've got to understand that Jesus requires for me to live a life of holiness. Listen, I can't tell you tonight what holiness might be to you, but I can tell you this, that you are responsible and we're responsible to live that life of holiness. It might be the way that you think or it might be the way that you act or something like that, but all of us are responsible for living a life of holiness because Jesus on the inside of me now, get this, basically, what it is, if I could take this replica and all that it represents, and I could, I could look at Andre and say, Andre, you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Here's what happens in the New Testament. I'm going to take the replica of this tabernacle, and I'm going I'm to scrunch it up, and I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to ingest it, and you're going to eat it, and it's going to be inside of you. That's, that's what happened when Jesus came. Everything that was a symbol in the Old Testament has become a reality in us in the New Testament. I have the gate in me now. I have the dwelling place of God in me now. Remember that scripture? Uh, I, I think it's in 1 Corinthians where Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of God the power of God would be of God and not of us. So you see, all of this now is in us. Isn't that awesome? 
Yeah, I guess he is, Pastor, you know. It's exciting to you, but, you know, just. But think about it. The God of heaven, the God that spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, the God that so consumed Moses that the people couldn't look at him when he came down the mountain. He had to put a veil on to cover his face. The God of heaven lives inside of me now. God, let me live for you. Let my life be a beacon of your light. Let my life be an example of your, your, your beauty and of your holiness. God, don't let, me, don't let me get to the place to where the light becomes dim because I am opening the door of my life to things from the outside that would quench or grieve your spirit. So I believe that God wants us to guard our vessels. He wants us to guard our minds, guard our hearts. You can't open yourself up to everything that comes along. You can't let everything that comes along get into your life. You can't let every person that comes along attach themselves to you. All right? You've got to guard yourself. Sometimes you have to change playgrounds. Sometimes you have to change playmates. Sometimes you have to move away from people because you know that what they promote is not conducive to what God is doing in your life. All right? And that, but I give you this. If you hold on to God, if you present yourself to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, those that pushed away from you, those that you had to separate from, they'll come and they'll say, hey, I need what you've got. I need the joy of the Lord that you've got. I need that peace that you've got. Amen? All right. All right. Any questions, comments, rebukes, or rebuttals? Thank you, Jimbo. Uh, if you've been in through school of ministry, if you do the house of uh, is it the house of prayer? How to build your house of prayer? Uh, and I think they use the uh, Lord's prayer. Isn't that right? I think I taught it one year years ago, and I used the tabernacle as a model of prayer. It's a beautiful model of prayer. Okay, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So you can you can look at it. the tabernacle is a beautiful model of prayer. You go through the gate, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. It's important to open up every time you pray. Open up with praise, open up with worship. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving, to his courts with praise. All right, Lord's willing. Next Wednesday night, we're going we're gonna to talk about this little deal right here, which is the brazen altar. 
all right so we're going to talk about that next wednesday night so if you're not here next wednesday night i'll say well i guess they got bored last wednesday night and didn't want to come back and hear about the brazen altar and so i'll write your name down and send you an email nah yeah the holy of holies yeah yeah any more any more comments any questions not that I can answer them but you can ask alright okay alright sounds good yeah alright well guys I appreciate your time and I'm um as we close tonight, um, I want to pray uh, for the people that were in the uh, accident up the road there this afternoon as well, that God would touch them. And uh, so, uh, anyway, go ahead and stand and. Go ahead and uh, <clears throat> you remember Larry Johnson as well, uh, and also Miss Eula uh, Davis. I want to continue to pray for her. She's still taking uh, treatments and not been able to take them for the past couple of times because of her uh, her I think it's her white blood cell count's been off or something. So we want to pray for her that God would, would touch her and uh, as, as Brother Larry as well. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's join together and pray. Father, Lord, we just come tonight. And, and Lord, Father, we're so thankful tonight. We're so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you made the way for us to come. God, you said that we could enter into the Holy of Holies, that we could come boldly before your throne, that we could enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Lord, we're thankful tonight. Lord, we're thankful, God, that you loved us enough that you would die for us and that you would make a way. God, you did this, Father, even when we were in our sins, you you died. You shed your blood. And Father, I'm thankful tonight. God, I'm thankful for, your, for the cross, and I'm thankful tonight for the blood. And Lord, I'm thankful for the resurrection of life. And Lord, tonight, God, I thank you uh, for being able to be here tonight with these that have come. And Lord, I ask you tonight that you would bless them. And, and Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, tonight that in, in this group, that, God, that you would begin to move on us, Father. Let your anointing and, and your power, God, come tonight. Oh, God, I thank you, Father, that even right now, 
God, I thank you that even right now, God, there's situations and circumstances that, that some in this circle are facing tonight, God. And, and Father, I'm believing that right now, God, that you're giving them strategy and you're giving them direction, Holy Spirit, that you're empowering them with the anointing, God, that's going to enable them, God, to walk through these storms and to navigate through these uh, things that they're dealing with tonight. I thank you, God, that it's your anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's your anointing that destroys the yoke, Father. And God, I just speak tonight over those that are in this circle that you would come, Holy Spirit, work in our lives, bend us, bend us, Father, into that that you would have us to be. Father, we praise you tonight, God. We pray for those on our prayer list tonight, God, that you would touch them. Bernice, Father, we just lift her up to you, God. We pray, Father, tonight, God, for every mom and dad that's got a child that's lost and, God, that's got a child that's in rebellion, God. We're believing, Father God, tonight in the name of Jesus, God, that, that Father, you're going to begin to call our children home, Father. You're going to begin to call them to come to you, Father. And God, they're going to begin to come because they're hungry for a Savior and hungry for a Redeemer. And God, I pray over them tonight, God, that, that the taste of alcohol will no longer be good to them. And God, the high of a drug will no, no longer uh, satisfy them, God. And, and Father, the, the life of, of partying and all that will no longer uh, take them uh, to where they want to go. But Father, they'll understand that there's one greater and his name is Jesus and Father I'm believing God tonight Father we call them tonight God from every direction God Father we call them off the street we call them out of the bar room we call them Father God off of the river we call them tonight God and we say come because Jesus is, is here and Father we thank you tonight for their salvation in the name of Jesus and Father we pray tonight God for Sister Belinda and Charlene God as they uh, have lost a, a dad and a mom. Father, we pray for them that you would encourage them tonight. God, that you would strengthen them through this time, Lord. And God, for those that were in the accident on Highway 21 this afternoon, God, that you would bless them and touch them tonight in the name of Jesus. And Father, I praise you, God, tonight. Lord, we worship you tonight, Father. And God, we thank you tonight, God, by faith that we speak, God, multiplication. God, by faith tonight, God, we speak expansion. God, by faith tonight, God, we speak that the borders of our dwelling is going to be in uh, lengthened, God. The cords of our tents going to be lengthened out, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight, God, that the borders of our influence is going to grow. And, Father God, I praise you tonight. I just worship you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.